And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Slam and Jam here on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Hey, go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and you can get the athletic for a discounted rate. It's probably the best best week of the year to get yourself a subscription because we got the NBA trade deadline. We got the Super Bowl. We got so much great coverage at the athletic that you just need to get your subscription and you can get it at a discounted rate. When you go to theathletic.com slash NBA show with me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night with the second 70-point game of the season, only five days after Joel Embiid had done it. This time, it was Maverick star Luka Doncic scoring 73 points on 33 shots in a 148-143 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Luka's 73 is the fourth most points scored in NBA history. Have NBA offenses gone too far, Andrew? (laughs) Well, I'll just say this. Corey Brewer once scored 51 in a basketball game in 2014. And that is 10 times more unbelievable than Joel Embiid or Luka Doncic scoring 70 in 2024. (laughs) So if you weren't questioning the league when the freaking drunken dribbler was out here dropping half a hundred a decade ago, I don't think you need to be freaking out about two no-doubt Hall of Famers scoring 70 points in 2024. On Saturday, it was a day of drama. First, Joel Embiid wasn't on the injury report prior to the Sixers game against the Nuggets, but then... 15 minutes before tip, it was announced that Embiid wouldn't be playing. This set off a firestorm of tweets and commentary about Embiid questioning whether he was ducking Jokic in Denver, where he has not played since 2019. Would this story turn out well for anyone involved? Stay tuned. The next piece of drama on Saturday was some good old-fashioned basketball, Andrew, courtesy of two legends, LeBron James and Steph Curry. In the game, which the Lakers won in double overtime, 145-144, to LeBron became the oldest player in NBA history to put up a 30-point triple-double, going for 36-20-12. Steph didn't disappoint either, putting up 46 points, including nine three-pointers. Big picture, however, both of these teams are struggling, with the Lakers at 500, 9th in the West, and the Warriors at 20-24, and 12th in the West. On Sunday, let's check in on the Orlando Magic, who handed the Phoenix Suns their second consecutive loss after the Suns had rattled off seven wins in a row. The Magic were led by Paolo Bencaro, who scored 26 and would be named to his first All-Star game later in the week. Also making the All-Star reserves from this game was Devin Booker, who scored 44, one game after scoring 62, and two games after scoring 46. The Magic are 25-23, 8th in the East, while the Suns are 28-20, 6th in the West. On Monday, we had a couple of juicy ones. First, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who truly love to win basketball games. They just can't get enough of it. Won their 4th in a row, 12th of their last 13, a huge home win over the Los Angeles Clippers. It was Evan Mobley's first game back after an extended absence, but the story continued to be Donovan Mitchell and Jarrett Allen, who put up 20-17. and 17 against the Zubats-less Clippers. Zubats-less 
Clippers, the Cavs, have climbed all the way up to the fourth spot. They've passed Philly. They're only a game back of Milwaukee for the second seed in the Also on Monday, it was a matchup between the two top seeds in the West, Minnesota and Oklahoma City. While it was a close game throughout, in the end, it was Minnesota's defense coming up huge in the closing minutes, helping the Wolves escape OKC with a huge 107-101 to victory. The win likely means that Chris Finch will be the Western Conference All-Star coach in just a few weeks. On Tuesday, we're back in San Francisco now for another Warriors game, this time against the Sixers. Joel Embiid, who had missed the game against Denver and the following game against Portland, decided to suit up for this one. Embiid did not look great. He hit only five of his 18 attempts and was moving awkwardly throughout the game, and unfortunately, it would only get worse for Embiid after Jonathan Kaminga landed on his left knee during a scramble for a loose ball. Embiid was in visible pain, and later in the week, we would learn that Embiid had suffered a torn meniscus, an injury that will likely keep him out for an extended period. A torn meniscus, maybe. Oh, really? It's a a maybe. Okay. It's a maybe. It's a little hope. Uh, The moral of the Embiid story this week, if a guy says he's injured, maybe just take his word for it. And if not, at least don't tweet it. You know, send it to the group chat. You can say anything. (laughs) Right? Uh, On Wednesday, Damian Lillard returned to Portland for the first time since being traded to the Bucks this summer. There were some very nice videos and standing ovations. But the story of the game was these Blazers, who played one of the best games of their season, led by Anthony Simons and DeAndre Ayton. Scoot Henderson also had one of his better games, scoring 15 points and dishing four assists. The Blazers won 119 to 116, while the Bucks dropped to 0 and 2 in the Doc Rivers era. Finally, on Thursday, the All Star reserves were announced. In the East, we got Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo, Julius Randle, Tyrese Maxey, and Paulo Bencaro. Maxey, who made his first All Star game, scored 51 to celebrate on Thursday night in a road win over the Jazz. And in the West, it'll be. Anthony Edwards, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Paul George, and Carl Anthony Towns. Now, if you're a snubs head, most agree that the Kings getting zero All-Stars is the biggest snub of all. Other popular snubs include Trey Young, Scotty Barnes, Jamal Murray, Lowry Markinen, Alperin Shengun, Brandon Ingram. There's a lot of them, Andrew. It's a big year for snubs. And also on Thursday, we got a trade. The Houston Rockets traded Victor Oladipo and three second-round picks to Memphis for injured big man Steven Adams, who they expect to be healthy for the start of next season. We are one week from the trade deadline. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week it was indeed, Al. Hey, before before we talk more about international NBA snub day, we're gonna mm. we're gonna have our line of the week brought to you by BetMGM. Al, I wanted to bring this up and just get just pick your brain a little bit on this. So I have the top six teams in both the East and the West according to the betting odds at BetMGM. So in the East, mm. Celtics, Bucks, Sixers doesn't seem too out of whack. Next, mm. we have the Knicks, Heat. And Cavs, the Cavs are a plus 1,400 to win the East. What are the Knicks? The Knicks are a plus 800. Yeah, I mean, the, the gap is, st- it's like five games, so I, I probably wouldn't be getting crazy there, but I would I would have the Knicks a, a mirroring where they are in the standings right now, third. Yeah. Um, because they are on such a crazy run. I mean, they've won nine in a row. So nine in they a row. So keep playing with this, yeah. that five-game gap is going to shrink, mm-hmm. even if Boston continues playing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And then the Sixers. It's it's a wild one. It's it's a stay away, a hundred percent. It is at, definitely a stay at away. the plus seven fifty, just because we we yep. don't know what Embiid stands. Oh 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 wait, is this is this to win win the East is to go to the finals? To oh okay, finals. but not in the regular season playoffs. Playoffs. Oh playoffs. Okay, well that, yeah, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I I couldn't you couldn't take Philly right now. The Heat above the Cavs. Yeah. I mean that's that that's I agree I agree with the noises that you're making with your nostrils about it but they yeah. I mean it's hard to doubt the heat you know it's hard. I don't know I, I feel like I'm pretty good at it I know they do this every regular season though like they do they do this dumb dance where they, we all don't believe sure sure but it's also not like they make it every season they've had they've had bad years in the playoffs they have they have it's true it's and, and 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 like I'm I I am not going to bet on them shooting the way they did last playoffs, which was incredible. I agree. And the this era of the the Terry Rozier Heat has not been great so far. Not off to a great start. Now there, there's a team who ooh, could they make a trade, Andrew, by next week? Another Heat. trade, a follow up trade. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, oh yeah. They want they want to. Uh, in the West, the Denver Nuggets plus one. Sure. You know, makes sense. Clippers are second at plus 300. I would and, agree with that as of now. And then it gets interesting. Suns plus 700. Wolves plus 800. Thunder plus 900. And then the Lakers mm. plus 1,800. Mm. So mm. that's the top six in the West. Yeah, I mean, I, I would understand why you would put the Suns above Minnesota and OKC. I mean, people are going to feel more comfortable putting their hard-earned money on Kevin Durant and Devin Booker than sure. Minnesota or OKC. Yeah. So I understand it from that perspective. And they've also been on a really good stretch recently. If they're healthy, they're going to be an incredibly tough matchup. I would love to see them against the Clippers in the playoffs. Ooh. Just two teams. There's so much shot making. Yeah. Just nonstop shot making. That would be awesome. Yeah, if you give me like a 4-5 matchup, Suns-Clippers would be unbelievable. That would be Actually, so right now it is the 3-6. Clippers-Suns. Give me that. Would be the first round. That would be mm, mm, that would mm. be unreal. That'd be unreal. That, and that's why I I mean, this is why I wouldn't bet the Suns because they're going to have an outrageously difficult first round matchup against somebody. Yeah, that's true. And and yeah. maybe you maybe you do favor the Suns in that series just because like you don't know what the Clippers are going to be come playoff time with injuries, and then you also have like the James Harden, you know, playoff thing going on. So I don't know. I think it's. I think it's interesting. Also, you know, the the Wolves and the Thunder have to prove it. You know, you could you could argue that they <laughs> yeah, should be second and third in the West with the way that they've played, but also they they both have to go prove it before they can, you know, be higher. Yeah, okay. It would be nice to see OKC win a playoff game. Let's start there. Let's start there, and then I can yeah. kind of build up momentum yeah. from yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Al, let's dip back into International NBA All-Star Snub Day. I want to highlight the Sacramento Kings. 27 and 19. Fifth in the West. They have a great podcast that covers them, the Deuce and Mo Pod. Go check that out. It's great. They did not get an all-star. All the teams in the top eight of the Eastern Conference got an all-star. All of the teams. The only teams in the West in the top nine that didn't get an all-star are the Kings and the Pelicans. And you take a look at the Pelicans, and they've got, like, Brandon Ingram is probably the one that you'd argue the most who has played he's yeah. played in 44 games but he's like 21 5 and 5 you can say like okay 
Like I, I get like who would you take off of there? Like his numbers are not quite as good as Carl Anthony Towns' numbers, and so it's like okay, fine. Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson's actually played thirty eight games this season, only one less than Devin Booker, but like the stats really aren't there with him either. With twenty two five and four, it's like okay, I get it. But the Kings, you look at the numbers and you're like, what? Like the, some of the numbers are insane. Domas Sabonis in the month of January was 2014 and nine. He is first in total rebounds in the league, and he is sixth in total assists this season. He has had an unbelievable year. He has more assists than the following players Harden, LeBron, Lillard, Brunson, Shea, Booker, Giannis, Maxi, Austin Reeves. More assists than all of those guys. He's had a really, really great year so far. And De'Aaron Fox, too. De'Aaron Fox has been better. You know, De'Aaron Fox has hit more threes this season than he did already, than he did of all of last season. Like, he is... Well, in his career. He's already at a career high. A career high for for threes made in a season. He's there already, and we're only halfway through the season. Shout out Deuce and Mo for that stat. I, I don't understand giving so many teams two All-Stars. The Suns, Lakers, Wolves, and Clippers all got two. And you can't give the Kings one. And so, it, and, and now it becomes like, okay, great. We've established the Kings deserved an All-Star. Who doesn't make it? And the team I turn to, like I, to me, if you're going to get two All-Stars, you have to, your team has to earn it. Maybe, maybe you disagree with this, but I think your team has to earn it. So I just don't think the Lakers deserve two All-Stars. They're, well, who are you taking off then, Andrew? Who are you taking off? Well, I mean, I think you take. I think Anthony Davis has had an amazing season, but mm. just legacy-wise, you're you, not taking LeBron off. Yo, so, well, Andrew, you wanted to pick Anthony Davis for a half-season uh, Defensive Player of the Year last week. I know. Now you're kicking him off the All-Star team? You know what? I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here, Al. And I am. Wow. I'm taking him off. I'm putting Domas Sabonis there because I just, I think you need to reward winning. And they, that happened in the Eastern Conference. Like every single team in the top eight got at least one all star. Yeah. And in the West, it's these like big power names that, that got, you know, that, that became all stars. And I get, like, I get it. I get why. I mean, you look at Devin Booker and Kevin Durant's numbers and it's like, can you really say that you can't? you know, have both those guys in the All-Star game. I totally get it. But I think what Domas has done, like he he's had an, I mean, he was an All-Star last year. He was All-NBA last year. Like he's got these accolades that are supposed to like kind of help propel you to make more All-Star games. And like for whatever reason, it just didn't happen this year that, and, and it's the coaches that didn't vote him in. And it's, to, to me, it's it's a little bit crazy because he has had an all-star type of year. And it may all be moot, you know, here in a couple of weeks when guys are not going to play in the game and, you know, guys get called up. I'm sure that Domas is going to be one of the first guys called up, you know, to be in this game. But, like, if you're – like, the Wolves probably earned two. Like, I know a lot of people would say, like, Towns would be the first one you take off. I, I actually think the Wolves needed two. They're at the top of the Western Conference. They've earned it. Phoenix, like I said, like Phoenix has been really good lately. Great. Give them two. The Clippers have been amazing. Give them two. 
But it's the late like the Lakers haven't earned two All Stars. They they have two great players who have been good. They won the in season tournament, very cool. But the rest of their season has been strange. Like the the thing you think about the Lakers right now is just like emojis. Don't they didn't deserve two All Stars? Give the Kings an All Star. This is the, to me that was just garbage that they did not get an All Star. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I, I would agree. I don't know if I would have taken off Anthony Davis because I don't like making it too much about team success. I mean, I, I get that you wouldn't want to like, you wouldn't want to pick, uh, uh, Cade Cunningham. Let's say Cade Cunningham was having a great year, but they had their exact same record. You wouldn't want a, a player like that on a team that bad to be in the all-star game. But like if OKC had won that game against Minnesota, uh, last week, or this week, I guess it was on Monday. Mm-hmm. Like they would have been the number one seed. I wouldn't have felt like they needed two all stars. Like the, the West is just absolutely loaded. And so, if I was going to take someone off, it would be Carl Anthony Towns, and I I would be putting a king there. I will say, you know, De'Aaron Fox, he did have a quote that he would love to, to not go. He did. He just wanted to stay home and do do something else. I don't mind not I having respect. Fox there. Fox has had like a better shooting season, but I don't know that he's had like a better overall season. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I, I just, I just think dismissing Sabonis is really wrong. Like it's, it's for I don't know what the reason was that he didn't make it, and I'm sure that he was like just there on the edge. But to me, I, I just, I feel it feels weird giving a 500 team two all stars. That's all. It it does, but I, I just think that this is the makeup of the Western Conference. Like once KD got traded from the East to the West, yeah. You already have LeBron moving from east to west a few years ago. Yeah. There are certain guys in this league that are just going to be locked into the all-star no matter what, as I long know. as they're healthy. Kawhi's that way too. Yeah. And Kawhi moved from east I to know. west. Like you had this huge transition over these last five years mm-hmm. of all of these all these superstars moving from the east to the west. And so I think this is just like the inevitable conclusion to that because you go to the Eastern Conference and like you could find some names. Like if if this was in the East. You would probably feel pretty good about saying like, "Oh yeah, I, I could see Sabonis making it over Paolo, or I could see the Sabonis." A, making yeah, it. the East is a totally different conversation. The it's a, it's much easier to make the All Star team in the East. It just is. And the funny thing is, they're definitely going to get two more <laughs> All Stars. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah, because yeah. Embiid will be out and Julius Randle will be out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So someone like a Scotty Barnes or Trey Young, like yeah, Trey Young's probably going to make it. They're seven games below five hundred, but you know yeah. that that's the East. And like I, I get it. It's the West is insane. I get it, but I, I do think that like being top five I mean, in the West. That's why. That's why like being top five in the Western Conference is. It, it's even harder to do. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you don't get an All Star. I mean, that it's dumb. Jamal Murray is legitimately probably never going to make an All Star. <laughs> I know. It, I know. It's, he, it's going to be so hard for him to do it. He's on the snub list, forward. but I can't make a as strong of an argument for him. You know, yeah, he he would need like uh, LeBron signing somewhere else this summer. Like that would take away one spot. Yeah, like y- you would need like big names moving off. Yeah, of the team because would. there's just no spots. No, and and he he frankly just hasn't had an All Star level season. That's just been like over. Even though he's been really good, and the Nuggets have been really good. He's like, good. He's, like, he's a really good player. But when you look at all the other guards, I mean, you can't argue him over Devin Booker. You know. No, I also think this is a function of the offensive explosion. There's going to be more all-star worthy candidates 
nowadays than there would have been 10 years ago. I mean, there used to be some goofy all-stars. Yeah. The guys who would get in as the last guy. Some some of that was pretty much across. some of those because of position too, that you had to include a center. True. That you have like Chris Kamen yeah. and yeah. Jamal McGlure and like guys like that. <laughs> Chris Kamen. Yeah. Chris Kamen made yeah. an all-star yeah. game. He made an all-star he game. He did. Forgot about that until right this moment. Yeah. yeah. That was special. That was special. Um, well, I'm sorry, Andrew, but I feel like uh, if there is going to be a replacement and it's not Sabonis, then you can come back on and get really mad. Then I'll get, I, I'm going to be say, Don't. so raging mad whenever, whenever it's like Gobert or somebody that, that gets the call. <laughs> it'll, it'll be Shingun and you'll, oh, you'll, you'll be I, yeah. blowing smoke out of your ears. I will. Um, all right. I want to talk about the trade deadline because it's next Thursday yep. and I'm beginning to see people worry that this might not be a very explosive trade deadline. Mm-hmm. You know, the updates, mm-hmm. the updates we're getting don't feel like things are moving just this morning. Jake Fisher put out his latest article, and the title was, This Year's NBA Trade Market Hindered by a Lack of Significant Activity. Not what you want to hear, Andrew. No. The big names are guys like Zach Levine, DeJounte Murray, where it's not exactly clear that they are valued enough by the rest of the league to warrant an appropriate offer. The teams who would be the most likely to trade, like the Lakers and Warriors, they've been so underwhelming, they've fallen so far behind in the West that you wonder if they'll even bother trading assets for what might be a hopeless second half run. Yeah. We keep hearing how there aren't a lot of sellers this deadline. And so, to give our listeners a little bit of hope going into next week, I just wanted to review some trade deadline history. So, the NBA has had a trade deadline since 1947, Mm. but can you imagine uh, waking up on trade deadline day in 1947 just psyched? To see what the well, you wouldn't rollers or whatever the next are day because you'd find out in the in the newspaper, you know. Yeah, like two days later, probably. Uh, but they've only kept official records since 1987, which you can find on NBA.com. Uh, looking through those early years, it's kind of amazing to see how few trades got done at the deadline. Because you know, you always hear like a certain segment of NBA fans complain that another segment of fans don't care about the games anymore. You know, you've heard this. Uh, they only care about trades and transactions. You know, back in my day, fans actually watched the games <laughs> and liked basketball. Listen, I get that the explosion of social media and sports media has influenced the obsession with trades. Yeah. But also, looking at some of these deadline deals, there was nothing to talk about. In the nine seasons from 1987 to 1995, there were six trade deadlines where only one or two trades were made. Wow. One or two. Wow. Andrew, can you imagine being Shams back in the 1980s? <laughs> He'd be out of a job. Absolutely no to talk about. Absolutely no slop for all for all no those piggies out there. Imagine being uh, uh, Sham Sharani in 1987. <laughs> You're trying to get people excited <laughs> about the Cavs trading Ben Poquette to the Bulls in exchange for a future second round pick. <laughs> the only trade that happened at the deadline that season. No one is retweeting that on the internet that didn't exist in 1987. Oh my Ben gosh. Poquette, Andrew, full name. Benedict J. Poquette, a.k.a. Gentle Ben, Never according heard. to Basketball Reference. Heard of 27th all-time in NBA history for most personal fouls in a season. Wow. Yeah. That was one the one cool fact I learned about Ben Poquette. <laughs> uh, to put all this into context, in those nine seasons from 1987-1995, there were 37 players traded in total on all those deadline days combined. Just last season at the deadline, 49 players were traded. Basically 10% of the league. Wow. And it's really fun to see how deadline day has changed over time. So from 1987 to 2009, that's 22 seasons, there was only one deadline day, which was 2005, where at least eight trades were made. And on average, we got fewer than four trades per deadline day. 
But since 2010, however, we haven't had a single deadline day with fewer than eight trades. Wow. And in recent years, the number just keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Since 2018, we've gotten 12, 14, 11, 16, 10, and 12 trades. 226 players traded just on deadline day alone wow. over those six seasons. More than half of the league involved in every one of those deadline days. We truly live in an age of slop, Andrew. And so, if it feels like the insiders have got you down, the rumors aren't hitting as hard, the scuttlebutt is lacking juice, just know that next Thursday we are getting double-digit trades. There is a 50% chance your favorite team will be involved. So do not fear, the slop is near. One more thing, Andrew. This is an update. Uh, every summer, you and I like to go through and select, we draft back and forth five players who we think are going to be uh, most likely to be first-time All-Stars. Yeah. Because on average, since 1997, we've gotten six first-time All-Stars per year. Mm-hmm. Now, this year, we only got three so far. Yeah. Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, and Paulo Bencaro. Yeah. Now, maybe we'll get one, but honestly, I don't know if we'll get another one. Like, it'd probably have to be Scotty. Yeah, Scotty could. Scotty could. And and he'd be pretty. That'd probably be the most. Yeah. I mean, I guess if if they did pick Derek White, that would be a first time. I just wanted to go through our our choices. Okay. Think back, get get us back in the summer, see who we were thinking. So uh, I'll just go snake draft back and forth, starting with you. Yeah. Your first pick, Jamal Murray. Murray. Yeah. Just talk about him. Yeah. I went Jalen Brunson. Cha ching. Wow. Uh, next pick for you, Paulo Bencaro, number two pick. That's pretty good. Uh, I went Mikael Bridges with that, which that seemed like a shoe in. It really did. It seemed like a lot based on how how he was playing that second half of the season. Yeah, man, it really did. Did not happen. Wasn't even really in discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, your third pick, Andrew Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. So you got two of the three. Uh, I went Franz Wagner, which yeah. you know, I mean, I did correctly see that Orlando was going to be better, but yeah. it was the other teammate. Uh, Desmond Bain didn't work out. Didn't work out too well for you. No. Uh, Evan Mobley did not work out well for me. No. And then you went Cade Cunningham. We all know what happened there. And then Scotty Barnes was my last pick. So maybe I can tie it up with you. Uh, looking back though, the names that we didn't mention mm-hmm. that probably would have had would have been better selections, even though they didn't make it. Uh, Alperin Shingun. Yeah. Wembenyama. I'm surprised none of us picked Wembenyama because like. I know. If he had played like this, I know they're they're terrible, but if they he had played like this the entire season, I think that would have been a much realer conversation. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we were just scared to pick him, but we didn't pick either of the OKC guys, J-Dub or Chet. Yeah. yeah actually, either of those would have seemed insane. They would have at the time. And and they still, we, like, they, like, they're barely... They still don't... Barely snub mentions, you know? It, it's more like OKC is, you know, it, like I said, they could have been the number one seed with a yeah. win over Minnesota... And you would have had to acknowledge, like, oh, maybe they should. You would at least have that conversation. They'd be talking about Jason, but, you know. Yeah, uh, we didn't. <laughs> Derek White. Neither was brought up. Derek White. That would have I mean, that would have been. I mean, come on. The man. most amazing take, though, Did if it. you had said during the summer, if you <laughs> drafted Derek <laughs> White fifth. <laughs> I mean, Derek White has had an awesome season, but like this, the snub from Uh-oh. the Celtics is Porzingis. Probably, although, h- how many games is Porzingis up to? Um, Porzingis, he's played 35 games. Okay. Okay. That's not, I mean, like, that's enough. Like, I think Booker's played 38 or 39 games. Yeah. He's not 35 is plenty. Yeah. He's not far off from that. I mean, Derek White's averaging 15, four and four. I mean, that's Andrew. You got to watch the games. Watch the games, Andrew. I know he's very, very important to what they do. 
but as you just talked about, like the scoring explosion. Yeah. Like yeah. how weak would the East have to be for him to actually be an all-star? Like, and I, and I fully acknowledge how important he is. And like, he's playing a ton of minutes. He's helping them win games on the best team in the league. The team that's like favored to win it all. Great. But like, please, I, the, the only guys please. that that need to be like, uh, who's like the last guard averaging 15, four and four to make an all-star team. Maybe it's his teammate, Drew Holiday. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, Drew probably scored more than but that. Drew but Drew, with he's the, kind of in that mold. Drew with the with the Bucks was nineteen five and seven when when yeah. he made the All Star team last year. You know, and he couldn't like he couldn't make it these other seasons, averaging way more points, way more assists. And I know that like the numbers don't they aren't the only things that matter, but like they actually do matter when you're talking about All Star candidates. Like you can't. I mean it. To to me, it's just it's it'd be a, it'd be really strange. Like if Derek White made it over, like Trey Young, who is, I mean, he's having a really really good season. I know the Hawks stink, but I mean, I it would be strange. That's all I would have to say. Derek White. So uh, looking looking ahead to next season, uh, any early picks for who's going to be your uh, number one pick? I mean, I think Jalen Williams is like a legitimate candidate. To make an all-star team next year i think that he's yeah. i think he's taking a step up and i think he'll take another step up next year yeah if he doesn't make it this year i think scotty will be uh yeah a first and like the the first overall pick big. has got to be Wimbenyama, right oh that's true yeah like yeah that, like that has to be the first overall pick i think chet's going to be another one that has a chance yeah because as long as the spurs are like just normal bad next year yeah if, Wim, if Wemby's still doing the, he, and he's probably going to be even better, like he'll be, he'll probably feel like a lock. Although again, poor Jamal Murray, it, like if if, if Wemby Yama is going to get to the point, which I do think is going to happen, where he's just a lock every year, like again, no chance. Yeah, no chance. Yeah, he really doesn't have a chance. Um, someone that does have a chance to win the whole thing is the Los Angeles Clippers. We're going to talk about them with Law Murray right after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Andrew, it is time for the Wheel of Fandom, our weekly segment where we spin a wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for the next week. Last week, the wheel landed on one of the hottest teams in the league, the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers went 3-1 and one this week, including arguably their biggest win of the season, a 115-96 beatdown of the Celtics in Boston. They also beat Toronto and the Wizards. The one blemish was a 118-108 loss to the similarly red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers. The Clippers are now 31-15, third in the West, and only two games back of the number one seed Minnesota Timberwolves. Per cleaning the glass, the Clippers have the second-ranked offense and the eighth-ranked defense. Andrew, if our favorite team is the Clippers, who is our guest? My favorite Clippers rider, Law Murray. Law, what's up, man? Hi, Andrew. Um... Alex, good to see you guys again. So, good to see you too. So, uh, per cleaning the glass, Boston had their worst offensive game of the season on Saturday night against the Clippers, only managing 82 points per 100 possessions. For context, in their second worst offensive game this season, Boston scored 94 points per 100 possessions. How in the world were the Clippers able to shut Boston's top five offense down? Mental game. That's all I've heard before they went on this trip. I wasn't I wasn't in Toronto and Boston. I joined the team in Cleveland. So I watched that game from Cleveland and I had the view of being able to just see what they were doing from that perspective. And I can just tell you, they were so embarrassed um, by what the Celtics were able to do to them in December, right before Christmas. Yeah. It was the worst loss of the season for the Clippers. It was right after I came to Oklahoma City and the Thunder had just snapped the Clippers' nine-game win streak. So um, they were locked into this game. You don't get a whole lot of games. When you know what kind of team you are, there aren't that many games where you look in the regular season and say, this is a measuring stick. And the Clippers approached that Celtics game in Boston, even though it was the second night of the back-to-back coming from Canada, they approached that game as if to say, we're going to see what we're about. Uh, Paul George could have missed that game. He wound up missing a game. Uh, this week in Washington, D.C., but uh, even with a groin injury, he played, Kawhi played, everybody who has been healthy, they were locked in from the jump. And I know a lot of people will say the Celtics just missed shots. That's true, but there are reasons that guys miss shots, and there are reasons how a game is not decided by a few missed shots, rather a 20, the, let me shoot, the Clippers were up by like 36 points before garbage time. 
And they were just locked into what they needed to do to take the Celtics out of their comfort zone. Because when you're not comfortable, what do you do? You miss the shots that you normally make. And so I think it was just a blend of physically being attentive to what they needed to do, but mentally locking in so that transpired until the game was not competitive anymore. So I want to ask you about Kawhi because he's always been great when he's on the court, but he's having a particularly strong season this year. He's putting up highest true shooting percentage of his career, highest block percentage since his Spurs days, lowest turnover percentage of his career. We all know how great he was with the Spurs and the Raptors, but I'm interested in how you would compare this version of Kawhi to his first three seasons in L.A. Like, is there anything unique about his game this year that stands out among his Clippers seasons? Yeah, it's nice that he doesn't have to play point guard. <laughs> yeah. James Harden makes the game a lot easier. And as good and efficient as Kawhi is, as much as a ceiling raiser and a floor raiser that he is, he's now getting the ball in even more advantageous spots than before. And he's healthy. He's healthy. Last year, he didn't find a rhythm until, I want to say this time last year, you know, middle of January. And the year before, he missed the entire season. He was playing great in Toronto's first season. And even that year, you know, he was playing back-to-backs. But he had some things in the second half of the year where, you know, he did miss those 20 games. And then he played amazing in the playoffs, and then he tore his ACL. So the his first year in L.A., I mean, the Clippers got fined because they were not sure what to say about Kawhi's health status. Like, you're not seeing any of that this year. He's healthy. Yeah. The four games he missed were all at the end of December because of a hip thing that he honestly could have missed more games with, probably should have missed more games with. He played every single game in January. He's going to play Friday night, um, the first Friday of February in Detroit. And so it's a combination of him feeling good, him being in the league for more than 10 years and understanding uh, mentally and just just the awareness of the league like he knows exactly where he wins at and he person from a personnel standpoint he plays with Paul George and and James Harden it's hard to take away Kawhi Leonard and so that that's the thing that I'm seeing more than anything else it's just a complete uh, a, a perfect confluence of his circumstances right now do you, do you feel like it's sustainable or do you or or like you and like Clippers fans just like all right this has been really cool, but we're just kind of waiting for, you know, something to happen here. Is that is is there any of that, or is it like no? Like he he seems solid. Like what's what's your perspective on that? Kawhi Leonard's a great player, so that part's sustainable. Everyone knocks on wood around the Clippers, coaches, staff <laughs> members about the health part of it. But yeah. you can't, you know, you have to, you can't fear health. I think you just have to play basketball, and Kawhi's playing like. It, it, it's it's just nice to have him play and appreciate that. And yeah. you're always hoping that he gets through. You, you know, a, a flu can happen, but it's basketball. Like, if a guy gets hurt, you know, the end of the fourth quarter, everyone gets emotional. If a guy gets hurt in the first quarter of the game, what's the difference? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, so you, everyone's hoping that he just stays on the floor. I hope everyone who's a fan of good basketball hopes that he's able to stay on the floor. But yeah, his performance, I actually think his performance can get better. Kawhi's had some games where he just doesn't have it, you know, where he's missing shots where you just were like, wow, what what the heck happened here? You know, I've seen that at least once every two and a half weeks when a couple months, a couple times a month at least. Um, He's averaging a career low free throws. And you know what? He knows it. He knows what contact he's taking. He knows how many times he's shrieking foul to the refs during the game. And Kawhi ain't going to say it. He'll say it to me. But he's not going to. You know, 
make that point about the the you know how he's being officiated but we see it it's funny every time i see someone complain about offense in the league and i'm also like well you know things can get even crazier if they yeah. called everything they could call so um, yeah. and that is going to you're going to see in the playoffs in the playoffs i wonder who's going to get calls and who won't um the clippers stars their free throw attempt rate uh is is is, is really low like um, and so Kawhi could easily be averaging another point or two per mm-hmm. game just off of that. Um, that part is that's that part sustainable. This is a team that failed and then succeeded. Not this isn't a team that you know had it together like from the jump, especially after the James Harden trade. So that that that's the part where it feels like they can be even better and they've continued to improve. The Clippers have gone six and two while starting center Ivica Zubats. I love saying that name. Ivica Zubats has been out with a calf strain. Uh, he's someone who has rarely missed games. So, how have the Clippers managed to be so successful without him? Have, who has like been stepping up in his absence? And have you seen Ty Lue trying any weird stuff with him out? All the weird stuff has been in the small lineups. Mason Plumlee and Daniel Tice have rarely played a complete game since Zoo went out, and I was already kind of wondering how are the Clippers going to play small lineups? They wanted, Andrew, if you remember, last year they tried to lean into that being their identity. Mm-hmm. They had to start, but they decided to punt the backup center position completely. Yep. They let Isaiah Hardenstein walk. Uh, and, and, and you know, a lot of people tie that to John Wall's contract. But a big part of it is they had Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris, Sr., and... Robert Covington all on the same team, and they wanted all those guys to play a you know sizable minutes, uh, twenty five minutes a game. Starting one of those guys is not where you're you know changing basketball. You're changing your how you're lined up with the fact that you're saying between Nico and Rocco, we don't need a backup five. Mm-hmm. Well, they learned that in the regular season, that's hard. With Paul and especially Kawhi dealing with injuries, it's even harder. So ha- they got that's why Mason Plumlee is on the team. You saw that. You know, when Mason got hurt this year, that coincided with James' debut, and the small lineups were killing them. They were not good. That's why Daniel Tice got signed. That's why Daniel Tice has coincided with their regular season success this year. Zoo being out robs them of, you know, guys who can play full games. And they have actually succeeded in terms of finding those small lineups. Why? Because it's Paul and Kawhi playing in those lineups. Well, also, if Russell Westbrook is your center, and I absolutely refer to him as the center in those Norman Powell, uh, who's in the group? You got Norm, you have Terrence a lot of the times, and Russell Russell will slide in there. And it's like Russ is guarding centers. We saw it in the Brooklyn comeback. They were down double digits. They were down 18 in the fourth quarter, hosting the Nets in the matinee game, and they flipped the switch, and it was Russell Westbrook guarding Nicholas Claxton. Uh, Amir Coffey has emerged, and they have experimented with Amir being that center uh, with James Harden, Kawhi, Paul, and usually Norman Powell. Um, Terrence Mann has experienced that, all those lineups. Um, the fact that he's starting is, is a bonus for him because he takes so much pressure off of that. So, yeah. I mean, not to dismiss what Mason Plumlee and Daniel Tice have had to do playing uh, the center position in Zeus' stead, but a big part of the Clippers evolution in January has been the fact that they've gotten more playoffs ready for sure with uh, non-traditional lineups. 
So since November 17th, the Clippers are 28-8, and which is the best record in the league over that span. They have looked like one of the best teams in the league for a while now, but as we saw against Cleveland, they're not invincible. So looking ahead to the playoffs, what would you say are the Clippers' biggest weaknesses, and are there any teams that you've already identified as being a tough matchup? I think any team with legitimate size is going to be difficult, especially if that size does not compromise their perimeter talent. And that's the difference between a team like Cleveland and Minnesota, teams that they lost to in January versus a team like Brooklyn. You know, like they have to be able to match up with these teams. Or they can outshoot anybody. But the possession game is important. Um, I hate saying it's a make or miss league because it dismisses the other factors of basketball significantly. Um, the Clippers are going to outshoot pretty much every team that they face, especially with the way that they're playing and the talent that they have to play with. But if they lose the rebound battle, things get a little a, a little tougher. If the Clippers are donating possessions, turning the ball over at will, and they're not getting those turnovers back on the other end, that's going to affect them. If you got young guards who can just – I don't care if we give up a point, we're just going to keep pushing the pace, get to the paint, then the Clippers can be vulnerable. And so I think there are people who understand this in the Clippers organization. I think they would like to see if they can get a little bit bigger because in the West, you know, you've got to deal with at the top of the bracket, Minnesota's huge, Denver is huge, and they just won the championship. And then below that, everyone's going to keep their eye on the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers are goofy and dysfunctional, but at the same time, the Lakers are capable of beating anybody in my estimation so um if you match up with them in the first round series and you know you're not getting calls because we you know we can objectively see how lakers games have been officiated for two years with darvin ham as the head coach mm-hmm. um you are going to you know that that's going to compromise you um any seven game series so i think that's something to watch for over the next week i think that's something that the clippers are going to try and you know, they're going to look at these teams that are bigger than them as real tests to see how they can beat them. And not the bad, big, they're, they're big teams that are not good. And it's like their perimeter talent is so overwhelming that they're not worried about them. But the teams that are both big and have enough perimeter talent, those are the teams that the Clippers are going to look at those games a lot more closely than the other games this rest of the regular season. Hmm. We're a week away from the trade deadline. The Clippers already made their big move, trading for James Harden. They're expecting a quiet deadline, and if they did want to make a move, what type of player is this team missing? Who 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 would they go after? The fact that they made the James Harden trade is, you're right, Andrew, it's their big move, but it also left them bare at a position of weakness right now. I thought the power forward position was not a strength of theirs last year, but it was deep. They had all those guys. They had Morris. They had Covington. They had Batum. Um, The weakness came in the fact that they felt like they had to play all those guys, and all those guys were in different stages of decline. Um, I thought Nico played the best, but also Nico was the oldest. Marcus played the most over time, but also probably declined the sharpest as far as what is you know, they beat the hell out of Marcus. He was the guy playing the four. He was the guy taking the physical matchup so that Kawhi and Paul could play on the perimeter and save their energy on that end of the floor. Um, and then Rocco was brought in to be, you know, a defensive playmaker, but that didn't fit how the Clippers were playing, uh, or especially last year. Um, Rocco would have been a great fit for this year's team. And it's ironic that all three of those guys are nursing various injuries right now in Philadelphia. So, 
PJ Tucker has been at the end of the bench when he got here. He first of all, he was starting in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. When he got here, he was a rotation player. And he got phased out completely by the end of November. But Teron Lou thought about starting him instead of starting Terrence Mann mm-hmm. because the team believes that PJ is still capable of performing well when he's with the best players, when he's with stars, mm-hmm. so that his offensive limitations don't matter as much. And then defensively, he can you can get what you get out of PJ and, again, have winning lineups. If there's a team in the league that values that and can take on his contract, then I'd love to see what team that is. Like, I'm skeptical. But it's clear that the Clippers would like to do right by PJ. It's clear that PJ would very much like to play somewhere that will play him. And then you have to look at the equation of the Clippers really need that power forward. Just a real option. They gave Kobe Brown a shot, the 30th pick in this year's draft. And Kobe is college experienced. He's mature. He's still a rookie. And he showed that time and time again. So I don't think Kobe's getting a real chance to be in the rotation again this year. Amir Coffey's been great, but Amir is more of a three than a four. Mm-hmm. Um, the Clippers should know that better than anyone else because they try to bulk Amir up to play the four and it messed Amir up for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, guys like Brandon Boston, it's like, that. Yeah. you know, you, you need size. You have a surplus of wings. You you need more, you know, power forward size. Yes, even in a league where people don't like acknowledging positions. So that's the, that is really the area to target. They are set everywhere else. But I don't know how you find that player because as it was told to me, fours who can play, you know, score on three levels on offense and, play inside and outside of defense are usually called max players so good luck <laughs> yeah is the pj thing just that he just can't do anything offensively it's the defense too like the offense is glaring but yeah pj's pj's going to be 39 in may yeah. pj's not keeping up with perimeter guys on one end and pj's not rebounding well enough to mm. play the four yeah in in the paint like six five like PJ would often be giving up and ones. And a lot of those and ones came off of offensive rebounds mm-hmm. for opponents. So that's the thing. If he's in your second unit and you're, you know, he's out there with three or all the reserves, those are losing lineups. So that's what we saw consistently in November. And now it's just a matter of respect. Like you're not rolling up PJ for spot minutes. You're not rolling him out in garbage time. Yeah. Um, you're keeping him healthy. You're keeping him ready. You're keeping him engaged. He's been great in the locker room. You know, I mean, he's boys with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Like, yeah, you know, there is that factor. I mean, if he's on the team after the deadline, I don't, I reported this week, like, I don't anticipate him being interested in a buyout. Dude has a player option for 11 million next year. He's not giving that up to sit on somebody else's bench. No way. You know I mean? Yeah, no way. You can sit on the Clippers bench for all that and make your decision and figure out what to do after that. Like guys earn their player options. That's mm-hmm. just how this this yeah. works. So I I I see all this stuff like what if PJ Tucker gets bought out? It's like, well, he ain't getting bought out by this team. So someone's gonna have to trade for him and we'll figure out from there. But with PJ, it's like, yeah, he's not a starter and he doesn't help you in second units. And other than that, keep him healthy and see what you can get in the next week. 
Well, uh, thank you for answering all our questions about the Clippers, but it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat. Clippers edition. Uh, this is our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head with an NBA beat writer. This week, the challenger is Law Murray, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Now, Law, how this works, I've come up with eight questions about the Clippers. Uh, you'll give me a number between one and eight. You'll correspond to questions. Some questions are easy. Some are hard. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong... Andrew will have a chance to steal for one, and we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So to start us off, just give me a number between one and eight. Two. Question number two. Kawhi Leonard currently has 46 dunks on the season. What is his career high for dunks in a single season? Now, before you answer, you get to choose who answers first. Oh, you can make no. Andrew answer first, and then you just have to go higher or lower, or you can answer first and Andrew goes higher or lower. However, if Andrew gets it exactly correct, he will get a bonus point. So just a fair warning. Andrew, I'm going to give you this one, buddy. All right, Andrew. So I, I let you know he has 46 through half 46 the season. 46 through half the uh, season. As a 32-year-old for the Clippers, what do you think his career high is for dunks? 80. All right, Andrew, set the bar at 80. Law, would you like to go higher or lower? I'm going higher. Going higher? Well, the reason I uh, asked this question is because if he continues on his current pace, he's going to set a career high in dunks because his previous high was only 67. Whoa. Wow. That's weird. I mean, obviously it was in San Antonio. I mean, yeah. Had to have been. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is interesting. All right, Andrew, you have control of the board. Springy Kawhi. Uh, number one. Uh, question number one. The Clippers currently have three players shooting at least 40% from three while taking at least five threes per game. Pretty wild. Yeah. The last time an NBA team accomplished that was during the 2020-21 season when two teams met that criteria. Name those teams and you get one point per correct answer. 2020, 2021. 2020, 2021. 2020, 2021. Um, huh. And I I did set a personal uh, games limit. You know, I didn't want somebody who just played like five games. Okay, so so these guys played a <laughs> decent chunk. These guys all played a decent chunk of the season. Okay. Um, Two teams. Hmm. Three shooters. At least 40% from three while taking at least five threes per game. U- Utah? Utah! No. Right. Is incorrect. Uh, Law, you have a chance to steal two points here. I'm going to go with the Clippers. The Clippers? That is also incorrect. Damn. The correct answers were the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, uh. who did who did meet my games requirement, yeah. and the New York Knicks. Whoa. Julius Randle, Reggie Bullock, and Alec Burks. Weird. Wow. I would have never, ever gotten there. I would have maybe guessed every well, other team in the league before I got there. That's why I included the Nets, because I was like, well, maybe they'll get the Nets, but they probably won't get the Nets. <laughs> All right, Law, uh, you have control of the board. Um, Let's go with number three. All right. Number three, five Clippers, five of them, Russ, PG, Harden, Kawhi, and PJ Tucker are in the top 20 for most career playoff games among active players. There are two other players in the top 20 
who are not currently on the Clippers, but played for them at one point during their careers. Who are they? And you get one point per correct answer. Okay, so this is top 20 in playoff, active playoff games. Yes, active players, top active 20. Players, top 20. Most group left games. And they had to have played for the Clippers at one time, but not currently. Okay. Well, we're obviously going to go Chris Ball here. That is correct for one point. Can you get the other player? And if I got if I go Chris, I gotta go with DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan? That is mm, that actually sounds I was gonna say that feels correct. <laughs> that feels correct. <laughs> um we are going to look it up in real time. Uh because I don't know that that that, that sounds good, doesn't it? It does sound it does good. Sound good. <laughs> does sound good. Okay, here we go. Uh, we will edit all of this out. No, we will Please staying in. Yes, we will, Andrew. You better edit this out. Staying in. Staying in. I can't imagine that I would have forgotten that DeAndre Jordan played for the Clippers. Okay, let me. I'm going down the list. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Oh wow! Very interesting. He is. Among active players, uh huh, he is number fifty-five in the league. Fifty-five in the league. Wow! 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 Uh, whew, great answer though. Made me sweat. Great answer. <laughs> made, me, made me look it up. <laughs> All right, uh, Andrew, you have a chance to steal one point. Uh, if you can name the iron. Who would that be? What What about Robert Covington? Robert Covington, that is also incorrect. Andrew, I don't feel as bad about that one. He was 140 on the list. Yeah. I asked this question because the other name mm-hmm. is, only played for a season with the Clippers, I believe, mm-hmm. Jeff Green. Jeff Green is in the top 20. Oh, you should just, Most I mean, that should be the guess for every single team in the league is just Jeff Green. <laughs> Jeez. All right, we have a tie game. 1-1. Andrew, you have control of the board. Four. Four. According to Cleaning the Glass, which of these stats is the only one that the Clippers are not top five in the league? Okay? Going to give you four stats. Half-court offense, transition offense, half-court defense, transition defense. Which of those is the only one they are not top five in the league? Transition offense. Andrew, that is... Incorrect. Law, you have a chance to steal. It's got to be the transition defense. It's got to be, and it is. Mm-hmm. Transition defense. I thought it would be just Law against the point. They're an old team, Andrew. They're old. It's hard, I, hard to keep up. Yeah. I was, it was a coin flip between the transitions. Um. Okay, Law, you have control of the board, and you're up by one. Let's go five. Let's go number five. Question number five. Okay, I, I love this question. My fav- One of my favorite trivia questions. Okay, among Rust, PG, Harden, and Kawhi, which two of that quartet have played the most games against each other in their career? The most games against each other uh, just amongst... So I got to pair... Yeah, so you could say uh, PG and Harden have played the most career games against each other out of that quartet. You just have to give me a pair. Right. Oh, man. I got to go with the two guys who will play the most in their own conference, so Westbrook and Arden. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal one point. 
What about Westbrook and Kawhi? That is correct. 43 yes, uh, games played against each other. It's funny Harden because... And, uh, well, I was going to say it's funny Harden because... Russ like 33. Yeah, I was going to say it's funny because like Harden and Russ played with each other. Now that they've played with each other on three different teams, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. that it's like, okay... Like those are the, really the only two that didn't like really play with each other for any length of time because like Harden and PG played with each other for two seasons. Like, you know, that's a, it's a funny uh-huh. it is a funny quartet. Oh, I didn't yeah. give you your point, Andrew. I'm sorry. Uh, tie game two two three questions left. Mm. Andrew, <sighs> where would you like to go next? Six. Question number six. If he continues on his current pace, Avica Zubats will enter the Clippers franchise top ten list for most career blocks. This season, wow, we are going to name the 10 Clippers who are ahead of him. Oh, my gosh. on that list. So, how this works, Andrew will give me a name, then Law will give me a name. We'll oh go back and forth. So, this is the current top 10 most career blocks in Clippers franchise history. All right, Andrew DeAndre, Jordan. great guess, number one. <laughs> All right, Law, this is hard as hell, man. Uh, this is going to be so hard. <laughs> Benoit Benoit? What? Yes, number two. What? I almost feel like you should have saved that one because by the look on Andrew's face, he uh, would have never said that name. Oh, no, never. Never. Never, ever. <laughs> um, this guy came up in conversation the other day at the arena. What about Chris Kamen? Ooh, the caveman. Yes, he is number four yes. on the list. So you guys have already gotten one, two, and four. Now it is Law's turn. Elton Brand. Elton Brand is number three. You've gotten all of the top four. Now it gets a little spicy. That was that was definitely another one I had. Um All right, Andrew. Here we go. I feel like we gotta like really dig for some of these now. A lot of names on the list. Six names. What about former number one overall pick, the Candyman, Michael Oluwakandi? Is he on the list? Andrew, the Candyman is number five on the list. Yes! Woo! All right, back to law. Candyman. Oh, top ten blocks. Um, trying to think, trying to think. Blake Griffin, just won games alone. Blake Griffin, he is not on the list. Yes, Andrew gets the point. Uh, other name, so glad because I don't. I did not have one other name left in my. Uh, Danny Manning, Bo okay. Outlaw, Bo Charles Outlaw. Smith, Gar Hurd, and Bob McAdoo. I guess we should have had Bob McAdoo. The other ones, I was never going to get there. You weren't going to get Gar Heard? I was getting Gar Heard. Okay. It's a great name. Uh, okay, Law, you're down by two, but you have control of the board. There's two questions left. You could tie it up right here. Eight. Question number eight. Harden and Kawhi have both played in six game sevens in their career, tied for ninth among active players. Which active player has played in the most game sevens with 10 in his career? Active player who's played in 10 game sevens. Um, 10 game well, sevens, that's a lot. It is a lot. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say LeBron James. 
It's a great guess. He's played in eight, but he has not played in ten. Andrew, any guesses? Game seven. Game seven. They got to be old. What about, um, I don't know that this is right. What about Al Horford? The player who has 10 game sevens in his career active is Al Horford. Yes. That is correct. And wow. Nice. Shout Shout out to Al Horford for being old. Woo. Uh, all right. Was he in the game seven, baby? Was yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to game seven, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's one. Okay. Yeah. Andrew, final question. You get first. That tip. was his first game seven. Was it really? Yep. Yeah, it must have been. Oh, they were in that, those was his old, that was his rookie year. Yeah, they were in those old, ugly Hawks jerseys. I remember. <laughs> the Zox <laughs> clip. Oh, <laughs> so good. Uh, Andrew, this is a really tough one. I, if you get it, I'll be very impressed. How many times... Were all of Russ, PG, Harden, and Kawhi all stars in the same season? Oh you just God. you just have to you just have to give me a number. You just guess me, Russ, all right? You just Russ, guess PG, Harden, and Kawhi. I don't know four. All all four. I don't know. Uh, that is incorrect. Andrew. Oh, right. Law, you can finish this off with a win. Not in the entire game, but on this question. So four is incorrect. Um, trying to. I'm trying to think. Trying to think. Let's go with three, then. And Law finishes it off with another point. Oh. Andrew wins the week, five to three, but it is correct. It was three times, 15, 16, 16, 17, and 18, 19. Wow, only three times doesn't feel like only three times. a whole lot. Wow. Yeah, there were some weird PG years in there. You know, quite had some injury years, so... Harden was the one where it's like straight down until last year that he was an all-star every single season. Wow, that's crazy. Hey, go read Law Murray on The Athletic. He's great. You'll love reading his stuff. It's all it's all awesome. He He's also, I mean, you'll, I assume that you're just going to write a ton of stuff on the trade deadline because you're always just writing stuff all the time, right? Live blogging it. I will get in where I sit in. This team keeps me busy. I'm really happy to cover a team that, you know, the team had high expectations almost every year since Kawhi and Paul got together. Obviously, they had the gap year when Kawhi was recovering from surgery. So um, I'm really happy and blessed to be able to be in presence and see how this gun goes. So uh, we'll see what we get next week. Yeah. And, and shout out to you guys, both individually. You know, I love, love doing your show. Uh, Andrew, like... Every time I see you, it's, 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 it's vibes, man. Um, and you guys get to be at Oklahoma City to see that Thunder team really emerge. So um, that's that's exciting as well. And, you know, um, it's cool that you guys get to see that through as well. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you, man. All right, Andrew, that was Clippers week. And I'm just noticing that they're still on the wheel of fandom. Get them out of there. Get them out of there. All right. We are down to 20 teams. Now, this is a big week for the Wheel of Fandom because next week is the trade deadline. Yeah. Ideally, we would get a team that's going to make a trade. Otherwise, you know, it won't be as fun. Brook- Brooklyn? That was much- Give me Brooklyn? Because yeah, Brooklyn- I just feel like they're prime for at least a couple juicy trades. Uh, I feel like Detroit's going to do something. Oh, they're going to do something. They're going to do something Pretty nasty next week. week. 
<laughs> um, so let's spin the wheel, see who we get. This is the Wheel of Fandom segment. We're spinning wheel, going to see what team we become fans of for the next week. And next week, it's going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow. Now, probably probably not making uh, any huge trades, but a very good team. Uh, they could uh, use a backup point guard. They could use a backup point guard. Also, okay. Okay. So, I mean, we got John Krasinski is just like the best in the world at covering an NBA team. So, and that's all. Let me see who they're uh, they're playing this week. So, on Friday tonight, play Orlando at home. That's good. Sunday, Houston at home. Mm-hmm. Next Tuesday at Chicago, okay. and then Thursday night. So we have to record on Friday morning, Andrew, at the Milwaukee Bucks. That's a pretty good. That's that's there's some juice there. For the team, there'll be a little time for Doc. I know the Doc Rivers Bucks are 0 2, but that'll give them a little time, you know, to get ready. That'll be a big yeah. matchup for them. Yeah, they got some time. Also, uh, post trade deadline, you know, what's going on? Post trade deadline. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Um, two all stars, two all stars on that team. Yeah, Timberwolves. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, we talked, we talked about that in the first part of this podcast. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Hey, Al, our listeners can go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will read it on the show. This one comes from T. Dot, and then there's just letters and commas, and like it looks like somebody just smashed their hands on just their keyboard to give themselves a username on Apple Podcasts. So I won't read that whole thing. Uh, but they said, the Slam and Jam Fridays is a great NBA show. Five stars, they say. Great show. Love it, man. Thanks so much for that review. That was so nice. Great review. It's a great review. Uh, and if you can leave us a review, we will read it on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to our show. Enjoy the weekend and the basketball. And we will talk to you guys again on next Friday. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.